Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Be seated. Where were you? Where were you on December 7th, 1941? If you can answer that question, you don't need me to tell you what happened that day, but for the rest of us, just in case, that was when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. Where were you? Where were you when you heard about something called an atomic bomb? that had been dropped on Hiroshima, ending what Pearl Harbor started. Where were you? Where were you when JFK was shot, when our president was assassinated? Where were you when Challenger exploded? The space shuttle climbing so majestically into space until it wasn't. Where were you? Where were you for Y2K when those digits 1999 turned to 2000 and everyone was panicking about the apocalypse that was going to be unleashed from our computers who would not be able to handle that change? Where were you? Where were you on 9-11 when the planes hit? where the towers fell? Where were you when you heard bin Laden had been killed? Where were you? Where were you when COVID shut everything down? Where were you? These are moments that change our lives in an instant, in a heartbeat, that cause our hearts to skip a beat still today, even just thinking about them many years later. Things that leave a deep impression, that leave us shocked and saddened, that define eras and generations. Where were you? What were you doing? Some of you weren't alive for many or most of those events. Some of you were alive for all of them. Don't worry if you missed out. I'm sure there are more to come. But the more important question for us today is not where you were, but what you did next. And for us as Christians to that question, there should be only one answer. We repented. For that is what God wants. At all times, through all generations. We heard that from St. Peter today. That God doesn't want any to perish. But all to repent and turn to him. That when these events that define us and shake us happen. They should be a reminder to us of that even greater and more monumental day that is coming. When again, as Peter tells us, the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Where were you when that happened? 
No need to ask. Everyone will be there for that one, for the end, ready or not. When these things happen, maybe you don't think about repenting. I would say many people don't. Most, maybe. Are they the problem? Are we the problem? Is our preaching the problem? I'm sure there's enough blame to go around. But repentance is where we should be, where we need to be, turning to the Lord for help, turning to the Lord for what we need. But instead, at such times, some will ignore God, take it up ourselves, solve it ourselves, or we'll look to those we think can or should. Others take issue with God and are angry with Him when these things happen. They ask Him, where were you? Where were you when these things happened? Why did you let them happen? Why didn't you stop them? But neither of those things bring us the comfort we need or the help we need or the answers we need. They make things only worse, actually, in many ways. We become more uncertain, more afraid, more confused, and oftentimes more disappointed. Better is to fall on our knees in repentance, to be stirred up to repentance, as the words in the collect for the day we prayed today said. That is our proper response. Where were you? Where were you when John the Baptist came in the wilderness? I'll bet that was a question being asked even all the way back in the first century. Like all our modern day examples, John, when he came, shook things up. There hadn't been a prophet in Israel for some 400 years. So his coming was one of those things that shook people up. Everyone knew. Everyone heard about it. All the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him. John, though, didn't leave it up to the people to decide how to respond. He told them and was quite blunt about it. Repent. Some ignored him, thought him a novelty or a somewhat entertaining distraction from the problems of the day with his funny clothes and weird diet, or just another religious nut. Some took issue with him and got angry at him for what he was doing. The scribes and the Pharisees and the other religious leaders who did not think he was authorized to be able to do those things, and they didn't want things shaken up. But many listened and repented and were baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. Where were you? I was there, they would say. I was one of those in the wilderness. I was there at the Jordan. I was baptized by John. And from that moment on, they began waiting. Waiting and looking for the one coming after John, the one mightier than John. 
the one, the straps of whose sandals John was not worthy to stoop down and untie. Man, if John shook things up, the one mightier and greater than he, what would that be like? And when he came, where were you? The question probably was asked many times. Where were you when John the Baptist baptized him and all that amazing stuff happened? Where were you when he preached and healed and unclean spirits came screaming out of people? Where were you when he raised the dead? Where were you when he was crucified because he shook things up a little too much? Where were you? None of us is old enough to answer that question. None of us were there. And yet you were. You were through the miracle of baptism. Because in those waters, God joins you to the death and resurrection of Jesus. You die and rise with him there, Paul says. You were there. And you were there because in the miracle of the supper... In that bread and wine, the very same body and blood of Jesus that hung on the cross and rose from the dead is given to you. With these, God feeds you with the life of his own son. Gives you the forgiveness of the cross so that you will live with him forever. You were there. So many of the events that happen in our world, life-altering events, Events that define eras and generations, we can remember them, but most of us weren't there. But the cross of his son, God wants everyone there. And so he makes that happen. Through these means, through these sacraments, what we could never do, he does. He makes it so. But maybe it's better to say it this way. Not we were there, but he is here. Still washing, still preaching, still forgiving, still casting out unclean spirits, still raising the dead, still feeding us. So not where were you, but where is he? And he is here. Here through How many Advent seasons? Some 2,000 since Calvary and the empty tomb. God is indeed patient. We would not have been, right? If you or I were running the world, we would have ended this a long time ago. Let's get to the good part, the good stuff. But you see, with God, the good stuff doesn't begin Unless you are there. That's what he wants. So he's waiting. And waiting for more advents to go by. Waiting for more people to turn to him and repent. And that's a good thing. Not everything that happens or will happen is good. But God can use it for good. For if he can use the death of his only begotten son on a cross for good... The rest is easy. And then with repentance, there is the comfort we need. 
There is the comfort that we are looking for, the comfort spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. When we ignore God, there is no comfort. What we want may not happen. What we try may not work. Things change. Something else will always come up. There's no comfort because when we ignore God, we make our own solutions our gods. Which is really to make ourselves our own gods. There's no comfort there. Or when we take issue with God or get angry with Him, no comfort there either. To judge God is to put yourself over God. Again, making yourself your own God. But when we turn to God, when we repent, then what do we hear? Your warfare is ended. Your iniquity is pardoned, forgiven. And you receive from the Lord's hand double for all your sins. Blessings double the sin. You can't do that. But he can and does. And so he who can use all things for our good, even those things that are not good, does so even with our sins. Turning them around and blessing us double when they bring us to our knees and turn us to him in repentance and faith. And knowing that, realizing that, understanding that, believing that, why ever stop repenting? And then we will be ready for when our Lord returns. When the end comes, when our Lord comes with all that frightening, life-altering things that Peter talked about that happen in our world and he, and he changes them to our good. For then comes the new heavens and the new earth that Peter talks about. The home of righteousness where there is only righteousness. No more sin, no more trouble. No more life-altering, generation-changing events. That's what we're waiting for. In John's day, the people repented and were baptized and waited for the one mightier than John to come. Today, we repent and are baptized and receive the supper and hear his word and wait for the one mightier than John to come again. To come not to die again, but to raise all the dead and give eternal life to all who did not ignore him or turn against him, but believed him. John prepared the way by preaching repentance. It's still the way. For that's how Peter's words are finally fulfilled when he said this. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, the new heavens and the new earth, Be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Now, how do we do that? How can we be found like that? By doing good? By being good? No. 
The only way to be found without spot or blemish and at peace is when we receive the forgiveness that washes away every spot and blemish of our sins and gives us peace with God. Be diligent in that, Peter says, in repentance, in hearing the word, in opening your mouth to the body and blood of the Lord. Now perhaps you haven't been. Maybe not as much as you should. Perhaps you've been ignoring God or angry at Him or taking issue with Him instead of repenting to Him. It happens to all of us. But you know what? God is patient still. And still here for you, still calling you. And this new season of Advent the next in so many that have come since the tomb was found empty, the call is going out again to return, to repent, to receive. For we are getting ready to remember when that one mightier than John came in the not-so-mighty manger. And that he's coming again. And then, in a way, mightier than we could ever imagine. Which really is good news for us, because you never know when more questions are coming. Like, where were you when the next pandemic hit? Where were you when World War III started? Where were you when that disaster came and wiped out? Where were you? Let our answer be on our knees with our Lord and he with us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.